In our last episode with Joey Nofi, we talked about a story he wrote that started a long and fruitful relationship that he has with a certain publicist, and that certain publicist is here with us today. Welcome to the show, Robbie. Hi, thank you for having me, and thanks, Joey, for the shout-outs. Very sweet. <laughs> Robbie is the founder and CEO of Witch House Public Relations. Witch House PR is a queer communications agency dedicated to collaborating with artists, brands, and organizations to share their skills, talents, creativity, and services with the world in purposeful ways. Robbie's clients include global drag superstars like Sasha Valor, Ben De La Creme, and Naomi Smalls. And he has led international PR campaigns for Bushwig, the world's largest drag and queer music festival, nightgowns with Sasha Valor on Quibi, RIP Quibi, Sasha Valor's Smoke and Mirrors, and countless other impressive campaigns. Thanks for joining us today, Robbie. Thank you for that introduction. So sweet. <laughs> All right. So let's start off by addressing this relationship that you've developed with Joey. First, Jacqueline and I got to know, is this common for you, Robbie? Like, do you usually make such good friends with the reporters that you work with? Oftentimes, yes. I mean, well, you know, sometimes you just click with people. I, and I think with Joey, it, it's, it's funny because he has a very... Um, we're very different in a lot of ways in the sense that like he's really no nonsense and um, is very to the point, which I love. Like I'm kind of, you know, floating all around in space a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> and um, so I don't know, we just kind of connected just like as, as friends and we, our first shoot that we did together, it was for uh, entertainment weekly, of course. And, um, we got to meet in person and uh, do this video interview with Sasha and him. And I also, through that, uh, became friends with Mehdi Ostrowski, who manages the photo studio at Meredith, who was shooting photos that day. And they're really close friends. Um, and so I think kind of like the synergy of like, you know, when you meet one yeah. friend, you, meet that, you just kind of like are in each other's lives. Um, but yeah, I, I think that um, what we... It just so happens that if you are a lover of drag and queer entertainment um, and you meet someone who lo also loves drag and queer entertainment and it's part of their career uh, and path, you're obviously, you're just going to like sync up in some way. Yeah, really quickly. I mean, that already was like our hook in together. So even beyond, you know, the PR side or like my client specifically, we just kind of always got each other in that way. And what I love about Joey is that he is someone who really takes the art seriously and uh, respects the artists and is always looking for ways to expand the medium in which how drag is covered or like how RuPaul's Drag Race is featured and how to talk to artists and really invest the time. And um, that's something that I've always appreciated. So now we're at the point where, you know, I'll call him about my boy drama or... <laughs> things like that again going back to the no nonsense he's like okay let's cut it out and you know make better choices um, so yeah so it's kind of gone from there you know um kind of like a, a life coach in many ways and then you know just Aww. sharing memes back and forth really that's like you and me Brit. we're like that yeah kind we of. are we don't have boy drama in our lives oh yeah 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 no I mean it's, what's funny is that um even on Sunday he sent me he usually if he does a meme of that has anything to do with any of the clients I work with um you know on Twitter he loves Twitter and if he comes up with a hit tweet it's like he's set for a week and he sends me those and then I'll show uh Sasha and be like oh my god we gotta retweet that um <laughs> so it's gotta we also love that I also too love to do some meme worthy moments on social with clients I think it's just it's fun it's like I get to I basically am paid to be like a stan on Twitter which is great <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to follow along with this oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you wanted to talk about one of the many important things that you wanted to talk about was communicating uh, the work of LGBTQ talent to journalists in a purposeful way so I think it's actually a good moment to bring that up and talk about that some more because you 
you did mention that Joey has knows how to do that. And can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that um, my first project that I did, um, and this right when I was starting out, I had this idea for starting Witch House. And um, the first project I took on was the Everyman Project founded by Tariq Carroll. And um, it's a photography project. You know, he, he shoots in fashion and, and musicians. And he wanted to create something that uh focused on particularly men of color um, in uh, kind of like tackle toxic masculinity, body positivity. Um, and it was something that I felt like, oh, this is something that deserves a space. This is something that needs attention. This is something that should be in multiple publications and the photos are gorgeous and they're, they're, you know, styled wonderfully. And Tariq is just such a sweetheart. And um, so starting with that project, I really wanted to make sure that the messaging on what this is uh, was conveyed in the best way. Because oftentimes when, especially when it comes to covering queer folks, if you're not familiar with the space or how to uh, talk about queer topics, um, sometimes things uh, tend to veer into stereotypes or kind of veer into um, something really like tone deaf. Um, <laughs> and so the messaging is not just, uh, you know, look at this. It's, it's really about telling the story of why this is important, um, letting the visuals also show that, and setting the intention to really make it about the, the, the mission of each project. So with any queer artist, uh, I think it's important to have that in mind. You know, sometimes I'll have journalists who don't get the pronouns correctly or um, use their birth name for some reason, mm -hmm. um, and which kind of leans into dead naming a lot of the time. Um, it's a bummer. So putting purpose behind not just, uh, you know, the purpose behind their projects and also who they are as, as people beyond... Uh, anything else. So yeah, I mean, I could go into like all of the projects that have um, a specific meaning that I think could um, expand the mind of, you know, their readers, their audiences, and do it in a way that that makes sense, that is catchy enough, you know, from a PR standpoint, from a journalism standpoint, while um, making sure that really that the client feels safe, you know, right. it's really about yeah. that. Yeah. making sure that I'm fostering the safe space before they even talk to the journalist, that they fully understand what this is. So how do you do that through communication? I'm assuming you're providing preferred pronouns in the email pitch and then like, yeah, yeah preferred names. Exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. it's gotten to the point where I literally create <laughs> exactly how to say their name, how to write it, the pronouns only, Beautiful. you know, yep. and, um, and then also really uh, collaborating with the artist or the client themselves to make sure that the messaging is correct and also expands into uh, different things that they might not have even thought about. And uh, yeah, I think that's, but for the most part, I will say this, it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, I will work with someone who's, you know, may, may not be part of the queer community, um, and typically, a lot of those writers and journalists, because they don't know, they ask, which I love. Like, uh, they, they want to make sure that they it's get good. it right. You know, for the most part, people really want to make sure that they are capturing things in the right way, an intentional way. And um, that's been really good. It's actually sometimes, some, it's been some of the hiccups that have actually happened have been with uh, one or two queer outlets because I think that there's this sense of like, oh, I already know what you mean, or but like mm -hmm. aren't actually still asking those questions because they feel that they have an understanding of it. Um, again, that's not all the time. In fact, that's very, very little of the time. But uh, I do find that people who aren't part of that community are very, um, at least now, and the amount of years that we've been working uh, are like, okay, I'm going to talk to Robbie about this, making sure this is all squared away, and then moving forward from there. 
So how do you handle misreporting when a um, journalist either oversteps boundaries or just gets something completely wrong? How do you tackle that difficult conversation? Um, well, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm hearkening back to a time where uh, I had a client who um, is a who appeared on Drag Race, and uh, we were kind of veering into presenting them more. And, and this is something that else that kind of goes into uh, making sure that we get their story in purposeful ways. Um, they really wanted to be seen first as an artist. Um, they were coming out with a rap album. And uh, so my, my thing was like, okay, so like we want to kind of separate, there's kind of these connotations when uh, artists from Drag Race release music, um, which is all great. I love it all. Uh, but this particular artist was, you know, they were very like, I just want to be seen as an artist first. So I kind of shifted the focus mm -hmm. more to their non-binary identity, which for them, uh, they discovered their identity, their gender identity through drag. Um, and for a lot of people, they might not know this, um, sometimes they'll separate you know, the person from the drag artist. And some for some people, that is the case. So, you know, someone may identify as a cis man who does drag. Someone may identify as a non-binary yep. person or a trans person who does drag. Um, and sometimes journalists try to separate the two, I think because of drag race, where you see them in and out of drag, like, oh, that's a different person, or this is a character. And for this artist I was working with, it, it wasn't a character. It's part of who they are. And they actually discovered their name. They actually were making steps to make their drag name their legal name because it held so much importance to them uh, on their journey. And uh, there's a particular feature um, that I saw that used their birth name out of nowhere. And I was really wow. taken aback. And I was talking to them about it. They're like, did you put that in the press release? Was that part of <laughs> And I was like, no. And, and I, I talked to them about it, you know, the the editors and basically what I got was, well, um, you didn't say specifically that we couldn't use that name. So um, maybe you could have done your job better. Um, wow. And so when you come into that, there's really, you're kind of just talking to a wall. So I, 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 I was kind of, you know, they ended up issuing an apology online and a correction. Oh, it was a Prince feature? It was a Ooh. Prince feature version there was yeah and it's so funny I felt so bad but it was a friend that I was saying like that worked there and was like oh I have this um I got the thing with them early and then I looked at it, I was like hold on so I, I also kind of overstepped in that way because technically I was calling something out that hadn't even been issued on stands yet but I just happened to see mm. <laughs> an earlier copy but yeah so in that situation you know it was really uh disappointing to be met with that and you know I am someone who's very self-critical automatically um I think a lot of people... <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah us too <laughs> so you're already in that self-critical space of making sure you know and th at this point I think I was about a year in uh I wasn't even a year into being full-time with Witch House so I had I felt pressure and mm. I got to the point where I was like you know what I did do everything right I was like I could have said absolutely don't use this name but I never mentioned it anywhere in their bio in the pitch um and the whole point of the story was about discovering their gender identity through drag and why that represented a lot of who they are so I haven't run into that since um, it's something funny that also happens with Sasha Velour a lot because, uh, you know, they'll go on Wikipedia and see, you know, born Alexander Hedges and Sasha's real name is Sasha. It's Alexander in Russian, but <laughs> they don't understand that. Like, oh, like Sasha's <laughs> actually something they've been called their whole lives. Like, why do we keep going back to Alexander? What is the purpose of that? What is the purpose to, you know, uh, keep referencing yeah. a, a birth name. You it's know. not like you hear any other celebrity's real birth name before their celebrity name. There's so many, like Lady Gaga, they don't say Stephanie, whatever her I real name is. just thinking about that. I mean, she was even billed as Lady Gaga and a star is born. It's hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, same. that's kind of how I uh, use, I reference that yeah. as well. 
Yeah, I think that's, so. you know, you live and you learn. There's so many mistakes yeah. that I think Jackie and I can relate to that we've made that, you know, oh, like seem A like lot. obvious to us. Like, okay, yes, maybe we should have mentioned this, but but it just didn't, we didn't think of it for one reason or another. And then you can go into this kind of like self-hate mode. Or, you know, right. being self-critical or really too critical of yourself. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it's something that still happens frequently with me for little reasons. And it, maybe it's a narrative that I'm building up in my head and my client isn't even upset, but I'm like, oh, I should have done that differently. I should have known better. How did I overlook this? And um, Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I've gotten to the point now, um, and I think the pandemic has a big part of it um and slowing down but it's like okay like we're not necessarily just not to take things so seriously you know always being prepared and and all of that but because I've been so hard on myself I'm like the only way that I can really um continue moving forward is not to wallow in it because I've done that so many times (laughs) where Mm -hmm. I'm just like this could have been done differently and this could have been done differently um and for the most part it's still a great story and it's still uh featured perfectly and it'll be a great outlet and you know gets great exposure but yeah you just kind of like go to that that place you're right, though. Place. Yeah. yeah, it's so important, though, to focus on the good and focus on the good things that happened that day. Because I know personally, like if I'm working on a campaign and I'm not getting the pickup that I expected or mm-hmm. anticipated, I just forget mm-hmm. that I did have that one top tier placement that same day. Oh, you know? my God. Yes. It's like, can I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> so it's important. That's a really good <laughs> message. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, oh my God, that's literally what I go through. It'll be like, oh, we're not getting enough on this or, you know, what am I doing wrong? Do I need to pitch this differently? Like, oh, actually one, here's one suggestion. Here's something that's out of your control um, yeah. <laughs> that uh, you, know, you could use. Yeah, or, out of yeah, your some, control. Some, it's often out of control. And it's also... Um, I think especially working with artists, it's important for me to stay grounded in that also for them mm-hmm. because they're also, you know, we're the publicists and we're already feeling it because we want to support the client and we care very much about what we're uh, promoting or pushing. But, you know, the artists too will feel that, um, feel like, oh, I guess no one wants to talk to me because I'm not good enough. You know, they're also going through that shame spiral. So I learned that I had to kind of come out of that for myself in order to support them. Be like, Hey babe, like actually, you know, here's what's going on. Oh, you know, um, (laughs) there's a lot of world events that have been happening lately that have been dominating the news and, you know, people are, you know, in and out of, uh, well, I wouldn't say in and out of the office, but, in or off online <laughs> a lot more with the pandemic. Um, yeah. And so yeah, keeping those things in mind. And so, yeah, as, as long as I can kind of come down and not shame spile on myself, it, it does help the client feel better and realize, oh, this isn't about me. Like this is, you know, journalists have lives, right. you know, everyone has things going on. So, you know, it's okay. Important reminders yeah. for sure. So I have a question, if you don't mind, if if I kind of ask more about this, because this isn't necessarily a topic that we talked about talking um, or speaking to previously, but it sounds like you've had Sasha as a client from day one, and it's been a three-year client engagement, which is amazing. Like, that's a milestone. That's a long yeah, time congrats. to have a client. How did that relationship come to be? Like, and also how is a, this is kind of a multi-pronged question, but um, as somebody who is, who represents an industry that is, or, you know, it's pretty niche. Like, how do you promote yourself and get new clients? Yeah. um, So Sasha and I uh, 
they were working with somebody who had been aware of me and, and realized I didn't have PR at the time. And they were coming out with this uh, short film project. It was Sasha's um, Pirate Jenny film. It's on YouTube now. Go check that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just like a brief introduction. At the time, I <laughs> and we'll come back to naivete, but um, I, I did when I started, I was kind of had like this glowing, um, naive sense of self where I was just like, I can do anything. And so I pitched myself to Out Magazine to do a um, profile about Witch House. And this is before Sasha, this is before anything. I was I was working on the Everyman Project at the time and some other local artists. And so I had something to reference. I was like, oh, send them my Out article. You know, here's my website. And so we met and we just clicked really. and. Uh, we had initially just uh, signed on for like a month just to see how things would go and they took off. What's funny is that I knew I was coming into this space of like, I, I really want to work with queer artists. That was my intention at the time. But not only was Sasha amazing as a client, you know, I was already starstruck when I met her. I mean, I honestly, like, she's very, she's not intimidating. She's intimidating in almost like a, this warm, glowing way where you're like, kind of like caught off guard. Like the first meeting we had and she was out of drag and I was at her office and I was like, whoa, like she has something, (laughs) you know, and I had seen her on TV. I had been rooting for her on TV. So it was just a full circle moment, but I wanted to be in the space and she was my perfect introduction because she is so involved with not only being someone from Drag Race, but being someone who had been hosting her own, you know, monthly drag show in New York um, that focused a range of drag artists that aren't showcased on Drag Race. Um, from drag kings, more trans uh, performers, cis women who do a drag queen performance. And um, I was instantly kind of catapulted into all the different things part of her life. And in a way, you know, I kind of look at it like we almost kind of grew up together on this journey, like, and, and not from like, but from like a place of, we were experiencing so many new things together that we just kind of were able to speak the same language. I was able to instantly kind of get her mind because we were so similar in the sense that we wanted to create platforms for other artists who aren't um, always in the spotlight. So she was doing it through drag, right, with her drag show, and I was trying to do it with PR. (laughs) Um, And so she really opened the world for me. I learned so much about the different types of drag artists, different types of queer performances, learning all about that in New York City. And so as we started, it was about almost a year since she had one drag race. So this was, we started in April, 2018, and um, they even flew me to DragCon for the first time, which was insane. That's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? I'd worked conventions before in book publishing and, you know, health and wellness PR, but this is my first. So I kind of had like a, you know, a very traditional PR sense of like what to do at a, at a uh, convention or a trade show. And this just so happened to be focused on drag. And I was like, this is bananas. I'm like, I remember having to try to pull people into our booths and now they're just, you know, lining up and I'm trying to manage (laughs) who to say no to. (laughs) That's the crazy part. What a dream. What a dream. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so from there we just continued building. I was, um, I think where I started getting more clients was seeing not just that I was getting her press. And when I say more clients, it was really from um, the drag race space at first. Um, I think it wasn't just about how much press or, um, you know, specific outlets. It was how I was building stories Um, that I wasn't creating stories, relying on, drama from their season on the show. I wasn't creating stories, kind of uh, pandering to that. At the time, I think because I was so new to it and just like, again, naive in a way, I'm so grateful that I was because, you know, I had at one point Elle Magazine came to the DragCon booth and they just wanted to, you know, talk to Sasha very briefly for a beauty story they were working on about how drag has impacted the beauty industry. 
And I was like, oh my God, have you heard of Sasha's uh, monthly drag showcase nightgowns? You should come. We have one in June and you're in New York, right? Okay, great. Okay, so what if we just like did like a feature there and we had an interview at her office and then you got some performance footage on like why this show means so much to the community <laughs> and to the drag world. And I, it was like, I was focusing on a lot of those stories. Um, and getting people, you know, Sasha on Drag Race is a great point of reference. That's your way into the door. But then how do I shift the focus onto uh, projects and passions of uh, that she had um, in a deeper way? And so that's kind of when I started seeing more inquiries from other artists and getting attention. Again, not just because I was getting press, but it was the the style of it. it the was quality. The, the quality, yes. <laughs> and working with the right people to cover this story, people that I felt like I could trust. Um, making things feel as big as they are. And so, yeah, I think people started realizing, like, oh, like, I have a project, I have a passion, but people only want to talk to me about Drag Race. Robbie will help them talk about those things. And which... Uh, to make a full circle moment, Joey is one of those people who <laughs> is interested in in those endeavors mm-hmm. and what the artists are doing beyond the show. We yeah. always love to tie it back in and 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 tell jokes and uh, and reference it in a funny way. But yeah, I think it, there's it's just about showing that there's so much more to what's on the surface, really. Oh my god, you're like telling the stories that actually matter. Yeah, I think cool. as someone, I was. It's almost like I was exploring in the same way that I wanted journalists to explore, right? Like I was coming at it from a curious place. I had always been open to learning more about drag and the art form. So to work again with someone for Sasha was, could have been the only first drag artist really because her understanding of is so fast. I mean, she's a queer scholar. Vassar and Fulbright, baby. I was like, oh my God, she has a lot to teach me. And um, so, yeah, we kind of like taught each other. You know, I taught her about how um, I saw press working. She taught me all about what she was doing and what drag is like around the world, not just in her world. And um, so I, I think I always took on projects specifically for that, to tell stories that matter, like the Everyman Project, like the Mercy Mistress um, film series. Um, And this was just, I got a larger platform to do it because- And that's kind of a good lesson for all our listeners. If no matter what industry you're in, talk to your clients, spend time with them, really like dive into the industry. I just finished a project with a client and I covered a topic I knew admittedly nothing about. And we didn't have much to work with on a surface level, but I asked a bunch of questions. We took notes. We kind of behind the scenes found out what the stories actually were. And I was pleasantly surprised at what I learned. And I was able to bring that to journalists and it was quite successful. So I think anybody can learn from this. The other thing that I love to do is to break um, kind of apart and, and bring drag artists into spaces that don't always cover drag and show who they are as artists, you know, like with Sasha, for example, um, yes, they are a drag queen, but they're also a speaker. Uh, you know, she spoke at the Smithsonian. Um, she's spoken at the Team Vogue Summit. She's also a theater genius. Um, same with Benda LaCreme, you know, breaking her more into the theater space. It's like always showcasing drag artists beyond just being a drag queen. I really love that. And I think I, so admittedly I didn't start watching RuPaul's Drag Race until after we talked to Joey it's always been on my you know watch list but then I finally did it and I was like wow I've been missing out and also everybody who goes on that show is so much more talented than I ever like realized like they need to know how to do it all lip sync makeup put together a costume stand-up comedy and acting there's so much more that they have to do off the show to um you know in their careers you know i'm i'm i'll watch um i'll be over at sasha's and i'll just see her like doing graphic design to create the posters for her show or um working with 
different design elements or like designing her own merch or going to the studio with Aja and like working with their sound engineer and like, here's what I wrote today. Here's the beat. And like, just like going and like Vendela Creme just kind of like showing me their process and what it takes to write a full 90 minute scripted show. Um, All of those things. It's like on Drag Race, you get like a, just a snapshot and it's already insane. Um, So, you know, I think what's funny is uh, seeing how even audiences are like, wait, like, and now they're doing this and they can do that. It's, it's beyond. Um, And I actually, I didn't start watching Drag Race until Sasha's season so I I had gotten caught up for the most part on um, uh, Hulu in like 2016 Mm -hmm. right when I moved to New York Um, and my friend was like you have to watch this show so I became obsessed and what's so funny this is very witchy um, but I only recently found this like a year ago in my notes app I typically will like if I can remember a dream I'll write it down And there was a dream that I was, like, before I met Sasha, before I even went, like, part-time with Witch House, um, splitting between my agency job at the time, I had a dream that I was, like, at an event with a bunch of RuPaul's Drag Race performers. And I was like, how did this happen? Like, this was, like, it it was so, like, and they were talking about some events, like, oh, are you going to this, uh, you know, show? And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was just like, from my notes that I could remember, and I was like, oh my God, it was kind of like this witchy manifestation that I didn't even, I wasn't even conscious about. It's not like when I got Sasha, I was like, oh my God, the dream I had, I totally forgot about it until like a year after working with her. Um, That's wild. I don't even know where that came from, but yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I think with, um, yeah, it's just funny the timing that uh, my first two, uh, clients from Drag Race were from the first season that I actually watched live, Aja mm-hmm. and Sasha. Um, and recently, I started working with Naomi Smalls, who's brilliant. Um, and that was another case too. You asked, you know, how you get clients. Honestly, I have not yet. I I think I've done it one time. Other than that, I have not pitched a client. That's yes. awesome. Jeez. So. What- when I sent you that deck, I had just started it because I was like, because I'm, I'm, it's not for a lack of, um, or like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't need to. It's just that, like, I've never felt confident, which is crazy, but, like, I'm finally getting to a place where I, I hear you. You know, like, I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, I have to put myself out there, deal with rejection. Do I know mm-hmm. this project well enough? Do I know this brand? Do I know this artist well enough? Uh, and so it's kind of like that. Um, kind of like going out and making mm-hmm. friends like it's so much easier when they're like in your class and like yeah out and they ask you to like go study and then things kind of grow organically and that's kind of how I've been with clients where it's like oh I saw you work with Sasha I love what you do oh or like um even like with Naomi for example we had met at Sasha's Smoke and Mirror show in New York uh 2019 and um it's like oh yeah like we'd love to work together someday as soon as I have the right project and then you know a year after that we started working together so it's been very word of mouth that's really cool hey we do the same thing Britt we kind of just go off of word of mouth Mm -hmm. and stuff I don't think I've ever pitched myself and anytime someone asks me to um, I yeah I I freeze every time it's hard it's just like at that point right now where I'm like I'm gonna be 29 in December and I'm like I do not want to enter my 30s feeling like I am not good enough or like I'm not worthy. So I'm like, even Amen. if I don't feel it, Amen. repetition mm-hmm. helps. Mm-hmm. Like just even saying it in your mind, like over and over and over. Positive like, affirmations. Oh, hello. And it, it doesn't discount that there's still more to learn or think like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like you're capable. It's like, and going back, I know I've said, I've referenced naivete, but like, when I started, it's like, I didn't know anything about drag, but like, I mm-hmm. figured it out. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know how to work with music clients, but I figured it out. And I so you just kind of like have to keep that. And I think what happens when you are going for a while, and no matter what success you have with clients, no matter what placements you get, no matter what relationships you build, you still start to develop like a sense of like, uh, I don't know, like, oh, this isn't 
reality or like, you know, you have to be more realistic. It's like, I don't know where that went. I'm trying to get back to it of feeling that sense of like wonder and curiosity. Magic. And magic. Oh my God. Hello. It's like, that's what got me here. So like, I need to continue doing that. I've been wanting to expand. Yes. I, I can relate to that tremendously. And I feel like all of my favorite wins at work and I've just noticed like some of my favorite publicists work, they kind of do just like, they write their own playbook. It's not like, I remember what I learned in PR school and I don't use any of it and it's kind of irrelevant and whenever I hear of somebody like maybe with a more traditional background being like this is how I do this and this is how I send a pitch email like I don't know like there's never been a proof of concept that that works like I feel like charting your own path is the way to succeed at PR and I think you kind of that's why you're great at what you do is because you approach it with such curiosity and you kind of just do things your own way I, I can totally see that that's cool well, I think, um, you know, the, I guess the first point of reference of what PR was that I, the first time I realized I wanted to be a publicist, I was 11 um, because I saw Cheaper by the Dozen. And so <laughs> the whole storyline of Bonnie Hunt being away from the kids was because she had to do a press tour. And um, I was like, oh, she's doing a press tour. Who's booking that? I'm like 11 years old. And um, uh also at the time, I mean, I've always been like my parents, like my dad, especially be like, but by the time I was fourth grade, he was like, it's like raising a 16 year old girl. Like he said that in like mm-hmm. the sweetest way, no. not like in like a, you know, bad way. Yeah, but, like, not in a- oh my God, like <laughs> I literally have like a teenage daughter in a way. Um, and so my favorite show um, as a kid was Regis <laughs> and Kelly. And so I would <laughs> record that in the mornings and then come home after school and then so in the movie, she goes on Regis and Kelly. I'm like, oh my God, I have yet to get a client on Regis and Kelly, but you know, stay tuned. But I was like, well, now it's Kelly and Ryan. Anyway, I um, rest in peace. Regis Golden, I love you. Love you were too. very formative to me. And Kelly Ripper, you are an icon forever and ever. Um, but yeah, so I started there. And then it was Lady Gaga, actually, with the fame by the time I was in high school. And that came out and I just come out of the closet, um, you know, the summer before junior year, just dance had come out. Those were good days. And I was like, Look. oh my God. And and before that, I was only, I, when I was growing up, I was only allowed to listen to Christian music. So I didn't even know anything about pop culture. I didn't know necessarily anything about how fame works or how public perception works because I was very sheltered as a kid. Yeah. And so... But once I came out, my parents were like, okay, great. Sounds good. We love you. And th- it was just like, all anything goes. We trust you. You know, so I was like getting That's really great. into learning about pop music and learning about the tabloids and like, what happened to Britney? Like, I didn't know. Like, I was not allowed to access any of that information. I hardly knew her music except for what was on the radio. So with Gaga, she was like my first introduction to the world of pop. And so I mirror a lot of my uh, PR kind of like instincts based on her, which is funny. It was like, and it comes back to like why I say intention is so important with PR um, and I, I, when I started, it was very kind of like, um, I don't want to say self-righteous, but you know, a little bit like, okay, Rob, like calm down. Like you can have fun too. Right. Yeah. Um, like everything needs to change the world. And if you don't want to change the world, it's not worth it. And then I got to a point where I was like, oh no, you can like Gaga or even Sasha with her rose petal performance. There was an intention behind the rose petals. There was an intention behind Gaga, you know, bleeding to death at the mm-hmm. VFAs, <laughs> yeah. but it's still entertaining. It still grabs people's attention. You can do both. You can, but with you can't do, you can't just do shock value for shock value. It has to have an intention behind it. So when I'm working with clients, it's like, okay, what are the crazy things that we could do or things that we can talk about that easily, you know, kind of grab people's attention, but then making sure that there is an intention right. behind it so people don't feel like they're just trying to be you know like pandered to they don't feel like they're just trying to like be shocked for shock's sake they're getting something out of it and you feel that like if you watch the so emotional rose petals number it's like 
it's not just roses coming out of her. It's like, you're feeling the emotion with it. It's like the song, you are so emotional. And, um, and I mean, she does that with all of her performances, but um, any reveal she does has an attention. So I kind of like incorporated that into PR too. It's like, we want to have fun. We want to be entertaining, but it's also like without the intention, it just feels disingenuous. It feels disingenuous. That's a great word. Yeah. And that goes right into the coverage that you earn for your clients. You're not really pandering to the, like cheap gossip. I mean, gossip's fun, but that's what draws them in. And then you bring them, you show them something yes. that's even more amazing. Something with substance. Exactly. Love that. That's fun. Can we actually, so you mentioned, you know, you've got witch house PR, you've mentioned your witchy dream. I know that when you were talking to Brit, you were talking <laughs> about um, manifestations and all that. Now, as somebody who also relies, I think every PR relies on some form of this, whether they're praying or like manifesting in their heads. There's something about having faith in something that really doesn't, we don't have control over a lot of what we do or what a lot of what comes out of our efforts. So I'm wondering, can you talk a little bit about your process there and how magic kind of plays in your day to day? I'll start with a story. I, my first job, I started out in book publishing and um, we worked with a lot of the big five publishers and then a a bulk of our uh, clients were indie authors mainly. um, And what I was given mostly were um, women memoirists. And uh, my first book uh, that I was given, I was so excited uh, to start. It was like my first PR job. I was hitting the ground running and, you know, I got them uh, a whole excerpt from their book in Reader's Digest that had like a bunch of celebrities on the cover, like Tina Fey and Alan cool. were on the cover. It was um, got like this HuffPost Live thing, and we got a bunch of roundups for the book. And I get a call after you know things are moving well and we're getting all this great traction, and I get a call from the author, and she said, "Why isn't?" why aren't things working? And I was like, what do you hmm. mean? And she was like, like, have we not heard back from O Magazine? Does Oprah not want me on the show? You know, I just feel like things aren't breaking. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and at the time, you know, I was like 20, I don't know. Um, and I'm like thinking, you know, it's my first client. I was working on a bunch of books at that point, but I was just like, oh my God, did I do something wrong? And <laughs> Obviously, looking back, it's like, girl, like, first-time author, indie press, like, sometimes they're really crazy success stories. But honestly, like, things are going great, you know? Like, mm-hmm. why aren't we focusing on all the amazing things to really continue manifesting more? And so it was then that I realized that if you're in – so, like, I basically that intention, you have to set your intention before you get to the manifesting process. Because if your intention is to release a book, to release an album, to release any project, um, and you know, you're starting out and you have a new platform and your only real form of validation for that project is to become famous, to make headlines, to sell a million copies, to whatever, it's great to work for those things. It's important to put in the hard work on your project. It's important to get involved in your marketing with your publicist, all of that. But if that's your only intention, you will be disappointed and you'll stop manifesting good results because you're blocked. You know, it's like, oh, great. I, my book has an excerpt in like one of the most read magazines, like reader, you know, and readers digest. And yet because I didn't get Oprah, suddenly I'm a failure. Suddenly Mm -hmm. this book doesn't mean anything. Suddenly all the work that I put in doesn't matter. And so I always say you have to set the intention. And honestly, when I, you know, sometimes people roll their eyes like, oh, everything has to matter. But it's like, it doesn't have to. You could be like, oh, I wrote this book because I really wanted to write a fucking book. Or That's the intent. Yeah. Yeah, that's the intent. Or like, oh, my God, I wanted to share my story. If I could just help some people, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. You know, have big goals, have big dreams and do that. But you have to come from a place where you're rooted in like the sense that like I'm making something and letting go of the results. If you're rigid and binary in what you expect the results to be, you block 
all other opportunities. And so, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Is oh like, yeah, you know, you can't sometimes <laughs> we can do all we can, right? And get great results and you know, do whatever, but if they don't feel uh, as a client that um, they're kind of set in a certain outcome, you, you know, it's like a failure. And so, um, and then and this is just something that applies to all areas of your life. When you set an intention and want to manifest something, you have to let it go. You just have to like release <laughs> all of that and just let your intuition and all of that guide you and just staying present uh, practicing gratitude. And I know, you know, this isn't something that I can put on a PR report. <laughs> this isn't something that I yeah. can tell a client like, Hey, by the way, you know, some clients are open to that. It's just, this is just how I work personally. And, uh, you know, but some, and, and that's another thing is that when I do take on clients, we have to be aligned on that in some way. Like when we first started with Sasha, it was like, I was like, what is your intention girl? She was like, I want to expand the world of drag. I want to um, build even more, uh, you know, with my skills as a theater master and all of that. And she's been doing it. It's like even that one uh, moment of us just writing it down on a giant sticky note in her office. It's like, I look at everything that's happened for her so far and it's all manifested in some way. That's even for me, I didn't even realize what my true intention was with Witch House. And I might even get emotional talking about this, but like, you know, I've been in PR for years. And so it just made sense for me to start something on my own. Um, but, you know, what I didn't realize, you know, coming from a small town in Arizona, and I always had a dream of moving to New York ever since I saw Annie when I was like eight. <gasps> my favorite movie as a kid. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> For some reason, the one that I gravitated to was the one with Kathy oh, Bates. Yeah. Um, and so I love that version. I didn't like the older version for some reason, but I, I was like, I think it was the first one that I saw. I saw on ABC television that night. Oh, I, I like the older one. I hope that's okay. <laughs> no, <I'm> totally <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, cool. Same story. It's a beautiful but, story. So when I, there wasn't like a, a huge queer community space in Arizona at the time when I lived there. And I, I hadn't really found my tribe. And I, I was always good at fitting in and trying to adapt to, I think just as queer people, you just learn to adapt wherever you are. Or, you know, women also do the same thing of like, how do I adapt to these circumstances? You know, we're very good at that. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And um, so coming to New York, I had actually was still, my first year I was still staying with my, um, uh, job back in Phoenix. So I was alone. I was like working from an apartment in a new city and not meeting anyone. And eventually I got a, a job here in the city just so I could make friends. But essentially all of that to say, when I looked back earlier this year, especially as the pandemic happened and things were slowing down, I realized that the intention I had actually set was finding my people. And mm. through which house I found that, like I found community I found family and I think that's the most important thing that came out of this I love this so much and I think too it speaks to how you serve a purpose beyond PR yeah beautiful I aspire to be like you one day Robbie <laughs> oh my god stop it right now <laughs> Oh, I can't take that. Oh, my God. No, it's true. I, Jacqueline and I talk about this often. Like, I don't know, just finding our purpose in PR, figuring out what I'm passionate about, and maybe there's an an industry that I could focus my efforts on versus right now yeah. I'm like, okay, this sounds like a cool client. I'm into health and wellness and this space. Like, I'll take them, but I'm also <laughs> into e-commerce and retail. Cool. This will be fun and Ideally, one day I'd love to be yeah. doing what you're doing, just thinking, you know, being more intentional about my work as well. Oh, well, I mean, it's like, it's, it's so funny. I just realized this happened this week. I got um, an email from an author who, this young author, Meg Johnson, who came out with a book. Let me just plug it for them since this yeah. actually means a lot. Um, it's Without Body, Name, and Country. Um, 
And something that we had done last year with Sasha, they, <laughs> she was experimenting with like drag king looks. And so I uh, secured a pitch with GQ to do like a drag king story. Um, and so this was the first drag king like focused photo shoot <clears throat> that GQ had done. And um, I worked with Sasha to do the casting to make sure that we had, you know, some actual drag kings there, other drag artists. We also worked with a queer uh, musician, Merlot. So we had like Kate James, Vigor Mortis, Nick's Nocturne, Sasha and Merlot, and Murray Hill, who's also a New York uh, icon. He doesn't refer to himself as a drag king, but still it's part of the history. And so there's just like this gorgeous shoot and, and Sasha actually recreated a look um, of Joan of Arc um, because uh, there is uh, some some notion in history that Joan of Arc was a queer person or <clears throat> gender non-conforming um, and kind of like the whole purpose that Sasha wanted to do was to to show that the wide range that like drag kings stem from like far beyond what we know now right and so I got this email from this author who literally wrote a poem that said that's titled Sasha Valora's Joan of Arc and it's a beautiful poem and it was something where it's like of course that was like Sasha's idea you know right to make this but like I for me to feel like, oh, wow, something, a story that I pitched and, like, worked really hard on and worked with everyone to feel comfortable with and and make this happen with, you know, a major men's magazine to do, like, a whole editorial. I mean, they had stylists coming. There was, like, all these designers, suits and things and chainmail costumes and all of this stuff being shipped in very quickly for this amazing shoot. And it's, like, that is a press moment that, like, inspired someone to write a poem in their book. Like, that's really cool. You yeah, know? it's a Very big cool. deal. vision as to be Joan of Arc and how she did that. But it was just, like, cool to feel a part of it, to feel like, oh, like, that is a moment that, like, you know, even with press, it may circulate for a week and then people move on. But sometimes it's really good and the story really resonates. You can actually create, like, an impact that goes far beyond that. It's um, amazing. Yeah lived on in a poem and also you got to be a part of history too and that gq um had their first like drag king feature which is incredible oh my gosh shout out to brennan carly um so so sweet and so like really pushed for this to happen and you know it was funny i was working with like a couple of the straight guys on the team and you know trying to like well here's how we talk about this and you know of course the only way that we could do the feature was for sasha to actually interview all of them herself which um she's great at but um, it was really, it's you finding those people, you know, even in the publications that don't always cover queer things, but they may have like one queer reporter or like, a right. Writer, and they're like, okay, we want to like do more mm -hmm. of this. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, so that was really cool. So shout out to Brennan. Thank you. <laughs> this has been a really interesting and exciting look into drag PR and, and just how creative it all is and, and how intentional it is as well. So thank you for sharing all of these experiences and stories with us, Robbie. I've really loved it. Thank you all. This was so much fun and anything I could do to help support you guys in anything, just let me know. It's so nice to reflect today. Thanks for listening to another episode of We Earn Media. If you tune in often, Jackie and I would love for you to leave us a review. We're always trying to improve, and it's so helpful to know what our listeners are finding most useful about this podcast. Until next time.